Welcome back. You're watching Stockwatch with me, Julieta Talevi, and joining me this evening to take your stock-related questions are David Shapiro from Sassman Securities and Wayne McCurry from FNB Wealth and Investments. If you'd like to send questions, please SMS 41392, email stockwatch at bdtv.co.za or tweet us at businessdaytv using the hashtag stockwatch. David, Wayne, good evening to you both. David, I shall start with you tonight. Um, it's a bit grim out there at the moment. Uh, certainly grim on Are US markets. the weather or the market? No, it's the, the weather is goodness. fabulous. Thank I, goodness. I know. No, so it's not, that, that's about the good news, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> okay, that's, a, that's about the extent of it. Um, <laughs> the markets uh, have taken a, a bit of a turn. Um, and I think it was Simon maybe who tweeted how basically we've gone negative for the year um, on the JSE. So uh, you would have done... Yeah, I mean, everything has basically mm. fallen in a bit of a heap and it seems to be because of fears that interest rate cuts are going to happen slower than everyone had hoped for. You're talking globally. Yeah. And uh, just to add to it now, there's the standoff between the Congress and Senate in uh, in the US over the debt ceiling. So we go into this uh, charade again and that's weighing on markets as well. But the dollars through the roof on those interest rates and that's brought down gold below 1900 it's brought platinum down below 900 so our miners are taking a bit of a knock as well so wherever we look we're being you know we're being hammered so it's 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 not a pretty time at the moment uh on on markets but uh, you know we've we've endured this before this is nothing new in our lives it's not just a you know one-way traffic so anyway mm. We'll get over it. <laughs> we will. Um, Wayne, does it mean that you, you would just sort of step back a little bit at the moment and um, not be keen to put any money into equities because maybe the propensity is for them to um, fall further? Or do you think it actually presents quite good opportunities? Well, look, I think it presents opportunities simply because, you know, the market only stops falling on the last day before it turns up and you never know where that day is but more importantly bad news peaks the day before it turns up so don't expect that someone's going to ring a bell and say look the bad news is almost over now you must buy shares things are going to get better the more and more the share market goes down the more and more bad news there is either external bad news or bad news generated from the share market itself so you never know where the bottom is, but the only time you get buying opportunities is when there's chaos and mayhem out there, because that's the only time shares are ever cheap, is when there is chaos and mayhem out there. But of course, being humans, we don't want to buy yeah. in that time period, because I, there's mm. chaos and mayhem. Mm. Yeah. In fact, we only really yeah, want to buy when really things are going up and we feel great about life. Yes. Julieta, the, the interesting thing is that um, people will say, well, I'll start to buy when the Fed starts to cut rates. It's the sad late. thing is that yeah, it's too late because the markets will smell this long in advance and will start to uh, preempt this. So, you know, I, I, I agree, with, uh, I agree with, with Wayne. It's not difficult to find good shares, I always say. The difficulty is to handle the emotions of clients and of people. That's that's a difficulty. Yeah. Um, I, I just want to add one thing. I had to do a talk on the crash of uh, 2008. 
And I looked at the market the day before September the 15th, you know, when the market fell. And I measured where we are. If you would have bought it that day or it would have held in the U.S. markets, you would have made something like 9% per annum over the 15 years. I'm going to say it again. 9% per annum. In dollars. <laughs> per annum. Over, in dollars over the 15 years. And that, that always applies. You know, we, we, we just, we, we think, we think short term all the time. And it's very, very difficult. Yeah. Sure, that's an that's a fascinating stat. I, and just on this, um, you know, specifically uh, on the gold and platinum shares coming under pressure and gold and platinum prices coming under pressure, one of the viewers says it appears that with the strengthening dollar index and rising interest rates, uh, which is causing sustained weakening of our resource stocks, uh, would it be advisable to continue buying counters such as the bunny and amplats, or is this a stay away idea? Uh, Wayne, I imagine that you would say yeah. yes. Look, you continue, you continue buying because. We faced these circumstances many, many times before in the commodity market in the world global economic cycle, where commodity shares absolutely collapse around your ears. And I'll just take you back to, the, I suppose, the 2013, 2014, 2015 time period where Jacob Zuma fired the finance minister at that stage and the RAND absolutely tanked and the mining shares and everything got destroyed which happened to coincide with the turn in the commodity cycle. So that's when uh, Kumba hit 20 bucks, with Anglos hit 55 rand. Now the next stop was 800. Eh? Mm. A, a huge, huge, uh, I'm, not, I'm not saying that the shares are going to go down to 50 rand or 20 rand before you get the turn, but that's what a cycle can do. Yeah. You know, especially a commodity cycle, the movements up and down are incredibly volatile. And commodity shares are not shares that you hold and keep forever. They are cyclical shares, and hopefully you can get the cycle right. But, you know, to come back to what I said earlier on, the bad news, all the reasons not to buy a share peaks the day before the share turns up. Okay, another viewer says, uh, I was as optimistic as David a few months back that the second half of 2023 was going to be a good one. So far, it's been disappointing, both globally and locally. Does David think we're going to end the year with a bang? But more importantly, does he think we need a proper kicker in the Bok team? <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, don't, don't, don't go, don't talk rugby, don't talk football to me. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Oh, come on. Don't who, who would you? Don't mention the name Georgina. <laughs> anyway, yeah, it happens. But I think I think we're going to have a, a very strong end. You know, Julieta, and, and I, I've been doing a lot of work. Companies are in good shape. They're not in bad shape. And I'm talking globally. They're actually, they're not finding stress. Um you know, if you look at the banking system in the US or even here, it's strong. You know, there is no structural uh, weaknesses in where we are. The reason we're going down is the Fed insists on keeping rates high because they want to weaken the economy. I don't even think it's inflation anymore. And that, and as soon as those signs appear, they're going to have to challenge, are we going a little too far or not? And their pivot, if it does happen this year, it might take a month, you know, a couple of months, but we'll soon pick it up. And when, as Wayne says, when it starts to pivot, when that pivot comes in the Fed, that market will turn very, very fast. So I think we will end um, certainly well, well up from where we are at the moment. 
September, October traditionally are always difficult times. You know, if you go back in history, mm. that's way in there. I don't know. Yeah, yeah I've just lost oh, my no. camera. I can't turn my camera on for whatever reason. Uh, that's okay. Bad can... reception, but I am here. Okay, well, there's a bit of there is a bit of weather about, so stay there. Um, yeah. Uh, Wayne, I don't know if you heard the question. The viewer was asking. Yes, I did. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. Look, I, I I agree with David. I'm just not sure it's going to happen before the end of the year, but. If everything works as per normal, we will see lower interest rates, we will see a recovery in the global economy, conditions will improve, and we should see a good equity market from these levels over the next two to three years. I just got no clue whether it's going to happen before the end of the year or not. Mm. But, you know, if you had to go out and buy a basket of shares, any in the, any in the indices that you want to, or go into a, a balanced equity type of product, you'll probably be reasonably happy with your investment return over the next two to three years because stock markets don't perform in rising and high interest rates, and they do perform in in low and falling interest rate environments. Yeah. And that's very traditional. That's what share markets do. So share market weakness this year, given, I mean, you, you, I'll talk about it later again, Given what the U.S. long bond has done and what interest rates have done, I'm surprised the markets aren't worse mm -hmm. because this is the period of underperformance. Yeah. But, of course, it's followed by a period of outperformance when exactly the opposite happens when interest rates are cut. Well, I suppose the market was expecting interest rates to be cut sooner um, than, yes. than and they might still be. You know, they might, they might still be. No one knows the future. The Fed hasn't, the Fed hasn't been... They haven't got the next year's inflation down written on a piece of paper that they just haven't told us about it. <laughs> it can also surprise them on the downside. Yeah. And, you know, given what in, given where interest rates are, I still maintain it is actually going to surprise on the downside mm. because I think the economy is going to slow quicker than what people mm. anticipate. Okay. Um, then uh, a question here. Um, I'd like to find out whether AVI and Tiger Brands are showing good values at, uh, at value at these levels, and which of the two does the panel prefer? Um, David, uh, or do you prefer either? Because they're in an unbelievably tough environment, mm. and um, the finance ghost actually writes, wrote quite a nice uh, column for the FM this week, um, just talking about how the, the companies that have the power, especially in our on-demand shopping world, are the supermarkets. So, and he was referring specifically mm -hmm. to ShopRite Checkers and, and, Shop, uh, and 6060, where it's not mm -hmm. so much the brands, it's, it's, uh, mm -hmm. it's the, the supermarket basically in charge of the, the on-demand delivery service, almost choosing what you can buy on the app that has mm -hmm. the power more so than the branded goods providers, which AVI and Tiger Brands very much I, are. I think, would, would you I, and people are, are shopping down. Um, you know, if you go through old mutuals numbers, and, you know, if, if it's difficult to go through them because there's, I don't know how many pages, but you pick up and you've picked it up from all the insurers as well, is that people are lapsing policies, cashing in their investments, and they don't do that because they want to. They do that because they have to. And I think local consumers are under pressure and therefore are going to look for the bargains, going to look for home brands rather than, you know, the traditional brands. It doesn't matter which Mari biscuits you get. You know, you, these are going to have to suffice. So I think, I think there's more pressure coming on AVI, more pressure on Tigers, even though uh, they've got high quality brands and that. It's just that we're under pressure. 
you know, with with interest rates at eleven and three quarters the prime rate, it's very very difficult to function. Um, initially, it is, but after time, you know, month after month at those rates, it's going to hurt. Yeah. I I just think hold back. I mean, AVI surprisingly has actually had a bit of a, a rebound since its lows earlier yes. this year. Mm-hmm. Um, Wayne, would you agree that maybe hold off on on either of those at at this point well, in the economy? If it's only a choice between AVI and Tigers, I'll buy AVI every mm. single time. When you look at their latest results, they could actually push prices through. Mm. So they didn't want to sacrifice margin. It took a little bit of fall in volume, if I remember correctly. But they, they managed to get price through. And, I mean, we did a, 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 a tour of the spas, the shops a couple of years ago, and people still buy brands no matter what the price does because they say, at least if I buy my blue label packet of Mari biscuits, I know what I'm getting. If I buy a no-name brand, I don't know what I'm getting. So I'd rather spend money on what I know. Mm. So the brand is still very powerful. But Tigers and the primary food producers, man, I don't think I'll ever buy a primary food producer again, a share again in my life. I don't think I'll buy a Tigers or a chicken or, or yeah, a fishing so- company. These are they just too volatile and unpredictable. Yeah, and they're um, facing down a huge barrage of, of difficulties. Um, two questions on City Lodge. And, and the viewer, well, uh, one of the viewers says, since City Lodge's latest results, which I've only seen net positive interpretations of, the stock price has dawdled and even declined. Um, why has the market reacted like this? Is City Lodge undervalued in the panel's opinion? Um, Wayne, sticking with you. Well, look, when you look at, I think they came out today or yesterday, when you look at the tourism statistics and the travel statistics in South Africa, they are phenomenal. I mean, out inbound tourism's up 60-odd percent and domestic travel's up 21 percent. And this is the one growth industry in South Africa. So I actually agree with the viewer. I don't know why City Lodge's share price has been sitting at, at these levels because, you know, they last set of results were quite reasonable. And they will benefit, obviously, from uh, the domestic travel, even though they aren't directly in the uh, tourism market. I mean, I know they've got a couple of hotels that are, but they will benefit from domestic travel. I mean, I've done a little bit of traveling recently. There's no empty seats in aeroplanes. Eh? Mm. Indeed. And and actually, the, I, I got the impression that they're quite optimistic about business travel. I mean... Um, well, I suppose yes. they have to say that. That is their primary market. But they were talking about the occupancy rates that they had enjoyed uh, during the BRICS summits, um, not just because of the BRICS summit, but they said, you know, throughout their portfolio, they had very high occupancies in that particular week. Um, David, do you think um, the market is getting this one wrong? Uh, just give it a chance. You know, that's why you, you don't, you know, if you believe it's good value and you've done your research and you've gone through it, uh, then buy it. You know, maybe, maybe the market's a bit slow to pick it up and maybe the next set of results will be very good as well and it will respond then. I agree with Wayne. I, I, you know, wherever we go, we see evidence of, of uh, foreigners coming in or, and local travel, I think, is going to really underpin it. People are, and, you know, pe- uh, sorry, business people are, are uh, traveling again and using the hotel they were at i think they were at 56 percent which is perhaps below the peak that they've seen but well above COVID. so let's see what happens the next uh you know the next half year 
and they're highly geared to that. You know, the, the costs are sunk. So if you get from 56 to 65, then it goes straight to the bottom line. Yeah. But give it a chance. Uh, is that a, a classic case of uh, what people refer to as operational leverage? In other words, mm. the costs are there. You know what your costs are. And your fixed costs are, yeah, the fixed costs are covered. And then once they covered, you know, then uh, whatever you get, if you're letting out an extra room, it goes straight to the bottom line. You know, you don't have to pay the chap at the front door anymore or the receptionist. They've all been paid in the fixed costs, yeah. Yeah, okay. All right. And then there's a question on retail savings bonds. I know you're both very familiar with the bond market, but maybe not necessarily so much so the RSA savings bonds, which people can access directly. Um, and, and the viewer asks, how do the fixed and inflation adjusted rates compare? Do either of you have a, a good idea? How can they ask us? <laughs> Uh, I'm going to leave it to Wayne and his cameras <laughs> off. <laughs> Wayne? I, look, I'm, I'm not sure I follow the question exactly. What, what, when you buy a, 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 any bond, you get the yield on that bond as your cash flow into for as long as what you own that bond. And then, of course, you can make a capital gain or a capital loss. If rates go up, you make a capital loss unless you hold it to maturity and when Obviously, the opposite happens. Rate goes down. You can make a capital gain if you sell it before maturity. But I, I'm not an expert in that. I don't think they've got an inflation-linked bond no. in the RSA savings no, bond. They, I don't think so. They do. They I, do. I think um, they, no. they do. They've got um, so they've got uh, two-year, three-year, and five-year bonds, um, and then they've got um, they, they do have an inf inflation linker, as far as I'm aware, and I couldn't really figure out myself what the difference was i mean if you go into the website they've got all the rates there yeah. um maybe traditionally you must buy an inflation linked bond if you think inflation is going up not going down okay that's the theory right behind it yeah Okay. But now they've, they've got us both a bit stumped, yeah. Okay. All right. Um, but, I mean, as I said, all the rates are on that website and, you know, you know have, have patience and maybe email them yourself. Um, there's also a question on, it was actually for Drickus Combrink, but I thought I would mention it anyway because we have the man who lost his bar mitzvah money on a uranium mine back in the, the, the day. Um, and the viewer says, um, I know from watching Stockwatch that uh, Drickus um, is um, very bullish on uranium, particularly the producer Cameco. Um, and um, we will put that question to Drickus when he's on the show again, um, but whether or not you would still uh, be long of uranium shares. Uh, David, it's had well, a very Wayne, good run. Wayne, Wayne won't buy chickens and he won't buy food producers. I won't buy uranium, you know, just for the, for the very reason that as long as I have been on the stock market, mm. everybody has been recommending uranium and you've never made a cent, a rand, a penny, you name it, a dollar out of uranium. Just it's just one of those. I don't know. I just think there's an abundance of uranium. You know, the abundance of uh, stockpiles of uranium. You're never going to get rid of it. There's there's tons and tons and tons of it. So um, I, I for me, it's just leave it alone. You know, if you want to try and find exotic metals, and I don't think it's an exotic metal. There's plenty of others uh, rather than uranium, mm. and you don't want to touch it. You know. Literally. You end up Literally, like yeah. Mr. Burns, yeah, exactly. You know, like Homer Simpson or something like that. You know, 
Okay, all right. I, we'll I never ask you about uranium ever again. <laughs> yeah, we won't ask you ever again. <laughs> Wayne, do you, would you like to add anything there? No, look, it's never been... Unfortunately, the, the, as David has said, the history of uranium investments is not good. No. And it's just not good. And, I mean, just even if you forget about the stockpiles, there's no natural shortage of it. Eh? Mm. It's everywhere. Mm. Okay. Uh, then there's a question on Remgrow. Could the panel give me some insight on Remgrow and whether the current price would be a good entry level or if they feel the price is high at the stage and too late to purchase the share? Uh, Wayne, just sticking with you, um, they've got yeah. most of their portfolios now in unlisted investments. In other words, Remgrow is the only way that you can access these invest investments. Correct. Whereas before there was a lot more listed um, access. Uh, do you think that's the fundal be fundamental benefits and, and the reason why you would buy it at this point? Well, look, I mean, Rembrandt has actually been a phenomenally good performer over the last the last two or three years. I mean, it's almost doubled. And, and I mean, that's fantastic. And the last set of results were extremely good. So it's at a 10 price earnings ratio, which is not that bad. I mean, they... Got a, still got a very high, according to them, a very high intrinsic value of 250 rand a share. It's trading at 150 rand. And, I mean, as you said, most of it's in, in unlisted, and they've got obviously some extremely good unlisted shares there. So I don't think it's too expensive to buy, despite the fact that, you know, as, it's, as, as you said, as, as the viewer said, this share has run hard. Mm. David, would you like Remgrow now? I know the, previously you I were a bit iffy like about it. it. Um, you know, they've got a fairly good array of uh, unlisted businesses in there, but they've got to work them. And, you know, while they might work one, they don't work the others. And it starts to look a bit stale. Um, there was always a catch in, in Remgrow. You always wanted to buy it because of exposure to either A, B or C in a company now. At the moment, there's nothing that really drags me in and says, you know, you've got to buy it. I'm not, I'm not criticizing the underlying businesses, but I think they need to push them a lot harder, uh, you know, to make it more attractive. It's at about a 30, I don't know, 35, 40% discount to their so-called intrinsic value. So it's, it's very, very cheap, but, uh, you know, I'm waiting for something to happen. Okay. All right. Uh, well, uh, maybe we should get to stock picks now and you can wax lyrical about <laughs> what you like on the market at the moment. Um, David, staying with you. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm still going, I'm, I'm going for three. I'm going for the, the top three in the US market, Microsoft, um, Amazon and Alphabet, mainly because I don't pick up a newspaper. I don't pick up anything on a daily basis where they don't tell me how big AI is and how much spend is taking place there and how they've only, how they've got the money to buy the chips by the uh, Nvidia chips. So I think this is behind all our fears. There's some huge business transitions taking place and sooner or later that's going to come through. And it's time just to pick away at those shares, you know, without being concerned about what's happening on the market at the moment. So I still remain very optimistic on, on, on this whole theme. Hmm. Okay. Uh, Wayne, how about you? Well, look, I'm going for U.S. government treasury bonds 30-year yield. I mean, this thing has pushed up its biggest bear market <laughs> we've seen in bonds oof, 
virtually in my lifetime. I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't in investments in the 70s. I was still at school. But it's a seriously large move in bonds, and they're trading up towards the 5%, the, the, the sort of 4 5% level now. And inflation, the, the Federal Reserve will do whatever is necessary to contain inflation. In other words, inflation will go down to their 2% level at some stage, even if it means crushing the economy and the stock market, they will do it. And the U.S. long bonds should trade somewhere between 2 and 3% through a cycle, not up at 4%. Mm. And this is a good buying opportunity, I think, to get a half-decent yield in dollars and the potential of quite a nice capital gain. I mean, it might go up another half a percent, who knows. But this is truly long-term value at these levels. Yeah. All right. Uh, 469 at the moment. Yeah, I just looked. 4.69%. That's high. Yeah. <laughs> Although I would say, argue that you guys are at the opposite end of, sort of the market spectrum, um, 30-year <laughs> treasuries and <laughs> Microsoft and Alphabet, but hey-ho. Um, David yeah. Wayne, thank you very much for joining us this evening. Uh, David Shapiro is from Sassan Securities. Wayne McCurry is from F&B Wealth and Investments. Up next, the close. Stay with us. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.